0: Well, I invite you to open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. That's what Jesus said there, right? I am the good shepherd, he said. You know, I think about that whole imagery of shepherding and so on, uh, you know, that our text is, talks about in John 10. I, I, I realize and I think about the fact that, that you and I probably are not as familiar with sheep farming and with shepherding and things like that. And not, not that we don't have sheep in America. I mean, if you go over the fair over here, you can see a whole bunch of them right? but I think as, a, as, as a, you know we're, maybe we 're becoming more so, but I think that as in like in other places that we 're probably not as familiar with sheep farming and shepherding as, the, as we are with things like raising cattle and raising pigs and and such and um, I, again, we have sheep in america we 're just not as familiar familiar with them uh, but you know I think that the image that we have throughout scripture is this image though. Of this shepherd, of this uh, uh, shepherd who has some sheep and 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 most of you have probably seen a picture like the one behind me of Jesus holding the little lamb in one har- arm and he's, he's he has the shepherding staff in the other arm and he 's walking along next to the banks of a river and he's he's uh, there's this rather plush black background of trees and green grass and stuff like that and Anybody ever seen that picture before or want to like that? Most of us probably. I know the, the church that I grew up in had something very similar to that uh, um, that was up in, on, the, on the walls and, and in the church. And You know, you look at that picture there, you kind of get the impression, I guess, that this shepherd cares about his sheep. You get that impression that, in fact, uh, well, actually, that's in fact what those pictures I think are really trying to portray, really, is that you see that little lamb, you see it looking at Jesus and it's almost like, you know what? He knows who I am, right? I'm welcome here. I'm, I'm, I'm protected here. It's just, I, I think it's a good picture. It's, uh, and yet I, I also realize that that probably wasn't the norm for most of the shepherding that was done in, in Israel and in fact when you think about the psalm that we read uh, that we had in the beginning psalm 23 and we read that for our offering a communion time the shepherd goes about taking the sheep from place to place to place in order to find green pasture and well that's because six months out of the year there wasn't any rain and there wasn't much to eat and if it wasn't for the shepherd taking them from place to place in order to find that something to eat, those, shepherd, those sheep would never have survived. But that wonderful shepherding image is what we find in the 10th chapter of John where John, Jesus makes this very profound statement about himself that he is in fact the good shepherd. And I think we need to understand that later on in Jan, John's gospel, you can come to one of those magnificent images when Jesus is at the Passover, and he is the sheep. We see that take place, but right here in this chapter, in John chapter ten, we are at Hanukkah. Hanukkah—it's the festival in Israel, Israel that was that it celebrated that era uh, of Israel's existence. Um, it, it it celebrated that absolute desolation in their history when they had been overrun, when they had been taken completely out of the picture. Uh, um, Israel virtually had been wiped out. And the Romans, the Greeks they, Greeks, they had completely overrun their territory. And they had offered the... Well, of all things, they had offered blood on the pigs of their altars. It, it, it was an abomination to them. They had desecrated everything that was of any importance to to Israel. And that was the bottom line, actually. When they had finally taken and and sacrificed a pig on their altar, that was the Israel rebelled. We've had enough. We're not going to take this anymore. And they became uh, very strong. And now we don't have that in our standard Bible. It is in the Roman Catholic version in, in the Maccabees. And, and in that Maccabean era, Israel came back with a vengeance to recapture their identity. And, and they created this feast of Hanukkah. And it was a, re, a yearly res, remembrance of the battle that it took to get Israel back to its rightful place. And one of the things that happened was the, the lighting of candles. Uh, one of the things that happened was the reading of, a, of Ezekiel and And it was about the shepherds and how they had somehow along the way failed to be the shepherds that that God needed them to be. And in the heart, in the very heart of Ezekiel's passage about what it means to be a genuine shepherd, God says this. He says, I have added up to the top of my head. Well, he said, really, he said, you know what, I'm tired. I'm tired of the shepherds. I'm tired of their failure to take care of the sheep. And so what he says in this text right here, in, in, in the text of uh, in, in Ezekiel, he says, I will be the shepherd myself. I'll do it myself. I will be their shepherd. And as, this, as that text of scripture is being read, now catch this, this is, that's why John, I think, is so magnificent, because you see these activities or these, these celebrations that are going on, and, and Jesus just kind of shows up and says, I'm he. I'm the guy. I mean, it was unmistakable. It can be unmistakable for them. But he stands up as that text of scripture is being read in the temple. Jesus is standing there with his disciples and he makes this claim. He says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd that God sent for his people. And so we see that in John chapter 10. If you want to read this with me, it says in, in verse number one uh, this. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not Enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger." In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. That's not new. Uh, picture this though, the harsh desert landscape, the six months of, of no rain, the the looking for pasture, the the danger, and well, in fact, just turn on your television and look over at some of those places in the Middle East, uh, what that looks like. And then just kind of imagine that that's where the shepherd is. And you know those rocky bluffs, the, the brush, the not so, uh, the, and, and not much for, for good pasture most of the year. And here this shepherd, he puts his sheep in a fold. And, and usually what that meant was that he would find some sort of a crevice in a rock, and, and an open space that somehow could be surrounded uh, maybe he would build up a pile of brush and and leave just a small opening where a watchman could stand and protect the sheep from from predators. Because the sheep, they they were everything to him. They this was his this was a man's life. This was a this was his livelihood. That, that that's all he had to live on. And, and and the shepherd comes in and he and he leads those sheep. Only the shepherd can lead. Only the shepherd is the one who can lead those sheep because they'll they'll only follow this particular shepherd. And I look at that and I just think, you know, sometimes quite frankly life gets hard, doesn't it? And and you feel kinda like you're in that desert. Where if somebody doesn't come along and if they don't lead, if somebody doesn't if somebody doesn't come along as a guardian, if someone doesn't put you in the crevice of a rock and and surround you in some way and, and guard the gate that you almost feel like your life is uh, well maybe, uh, maybe you've never been there and maybe you've never needed a shepherd. But maybe you and I can identify with something like uh, we're going to see right here. Why don't you take a look at this. In Montana's Ruby Valley,
1: Rich Lewis rushes to rescue a newborn calf that's been separated from its mother and is moments away from succumbing to the extreme cold. It was cold and he was freezing. I needed to get him to my fire to get him warmed up. I don't want to lose him, but I just didn't know. Who, rusty, Who? Who? I needed to get his blood circulating get his temperatures back up to where they should be and just rubbing him and getting the heat by the fire to warm him back up. Get you warmed up, buddy. I just kind of rubbed him down, getting his muscles thawed out. Every cow's important to a rancher. I mean, that's their income. A calf will end up bringing you anywhere from a thousand to $1,500, so that's a lot of money. Them wolves ain't gonna get you once the calf is warm, Rich sets it free to find its mother. The calf had a long day in the cold, but I think he's going to be just fine. Oh, it's good to see that little calf went back to its mom. That's a relief.
0: That's my new favorite show, Mountain Men. It's kind of a neat one where you know you, you know what it's about, right? to these guys who live up in the mountains, whether it's Alaska or Montana or there's some South Carolina and just places that people live in, in these things and they live off the land, and that's where they get, that's where they get their livelihood from and and uh, it's just uh, like I said, it's my new favorite show uh, where where people are able to, to utilize the things of the land to be able to, to survive. and it kind of used to be that way, didn't it? if we look back long enough. But um, this this particular guy uh, lives in, in Montana and he's, he's actually um, part of what he does all year round is that he, uh, in the summertime, he will uh, go and, and work for, for ranchers around that area um, who are up in the mountains whose their cattle maybe slipped away. And I, we saw, I saw an episode last week where he actually, uh, someone's cattle got away and the ranchers call him, or they i don 't know if they call him they actually somehow he didn't have phones and things like that, but he they get a hold of him and say um, you know here 's what we need you to do. we need you to to get this they, um, but he's primarily the one that 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 they they get to do that, and so he will actually go and pick up some strays and because the the uh danger is is that if those strays are out long enough that there there's going to be lions and there's going to be uh, wolves that are going to attack part of that herd, and so he will he will bring them in. The one I was watching last week is he brought in like a, about 12, 15 cattle that had strayed off and got loose somehow, broke down some fencing and stuff like that, and he brought them back in and and everything else. and And I guess they use some bartering system up there in the in the in the mountains, and and he got like a quarter of a beef or a half a beef, uh, you know, 500 pounds of um, of some some meat in order for doing that job. That's kind of cool. That's a good wage, huh? Uh, but that's what he does during the summers. He works for those ranchers, and then during the winter he hunts lions, because uh, lions can get uh, well. Actually, some some of the shows I've seen too, he doesn't always kill those lions, or will scare them out of the area. But some of them, he he takes care of them because they've be, gotten to be too too many, and they use all of that stuff. But it's just an interesting thing because there's these predators that that if they are in there, if they become too numerous, they're going to wipe out their livelihood, and you you see him in this last video that we looked at. It's just that image of of him protecting that little calf or him protecting those cows and trying to make sure that they're being watched and he's, wa- he's not only watching, that's why I like this one, that's why I used it, but he's not only watching for himself, he's looking, he's watching for all of the ranchers that are around them. Now, I use that but the image that I'm really trying to paint is that of of, of a shepherd and and, and in fact, not just of, of taking care of sheep or taking care of cattle or taking care of those things, but, but recognizing that you and I might be like those defenseless animals. It's hard for us to believe that or to think that way in America, right? Uh, and yet the fact is, is that there are times in our lives maybe that we feel like the predators are just coming in and, and in fact we are the prey. And there doesn't seem to be anything of, uh, be any ultimate explanation to all of what's going on. There's, but there's one person who seems to make a difference, and that is the shepherd, the, the one who is willing to come in and to lead the sheep to protective places. I, I just think it's interesting how the 23rd Psalms talks so clearly about the Lord being our shepherd and who leads us into those green pastures, who, who restores our soul, who watches over sheep with such great care. Now, just a side note on that, in the New Testament, outside of the image of Jesus being our great shepherd, the, this shepherding imagery is really, is also applied to the elders of the church. The elders of the church who are the shepherds, they're the ones who collect this sort of imagery of, of being the people who provide the church with protection, who are shepherding and are taking care of or bringing care for the, for the flock. But in this text, Jesus clearly states, I am the good shepherd. And I want to be the shepherd of the sheep who protects them, who leads them, and who guides them. In this text, Jesus so clearly says, I am the good shepherd. Well, he goes on to say that they don't understand according to verse number 6. But he says again in verse number 7, if you want to take a look at that, it says, therefore Jesus said again, I, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. One of my favorite verses, John 10, 10, Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Well, we've all got the picture, right? Don't we? You've got this uh, crevice in the rock, maybe some brush built around it. Uh, and uh, you have that one little narrow slit that's open for sort of a uh, where the shepherd would lay down at night and, and sleep right, right in the gate uh, unless, uh, unless uh, you know, uh, like a predator would come and, 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 or a, a false shepherd would try to come and try to steal those sheep. Uh, this shepherd, the picture I think we have painted here is that this shepherd is willing to do battle for these sheep. Oh, the hired hand or the, the watchman, the one who gets paid to stand at the gate, he sees the wolf running. What does he do? He runs away. But not the shepherd, because the shepherd owns the sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd loves the sheep. And so the shepherd stays and fights for the sheep, even if the shepherd has to die for the sheep. I got to thinking about this the other day. I, you know, If you watch the news, you can't miss the fact that in our world that there are Christians, uh, there are Christian people in our world that are being persecuted for their faith. You know, when we stop to think about this, uh, we stop long enough to realize those of us who happen to live in this particular place in, in America, we have the freedom to be Christians and to be here. And I have the privilege to be able to stand up and to preach every Sunday without having anybody, um, in any kind of repercussion at all. um, That's not true around the world. There are dozens of countries where people suffer every day for the privilege of people, or for the privilege of being Christian. People die, actually, for their sheep. But in America, we uh, sometimes, I guess, we get some sneers, we get some jeers, maybe, from time to time, but But we're not going to get thrown into prison, well, at least not yet, right? But the shepherd, the shepherd dies for the sheep. You see that imagery, I think, so clearly within this particular text, and you see it so clearly in Psalm 23 when the shepherd finds water and gives life to the sheep and and don't you just love this text? I mentioned John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. He says, I came that you might have life and to have it to the full. Or, or some other passages say, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I think so much of the world looks at the church and they want to know why in the world would anybody ever want to be Christian? It's so confining. It's so dead and lifeless. And unfortunately, they, they look around, I think, at some churches, and that's exactly what they might think. And I, I pray that they don't think that about new life. But you know, my prayer is that they would sense that this is a place where we can find life, that we can find real life, that, the kind of life to, about which you have no regrets. The kind of life that's rich and full and deep. And when, in fact, everyone else is trying to sort out why they would even want to live, you just can't imagine not living. it, And when life gets hard, there's still the presence of joy and comfort and, and contentment. It's the kind of life that only the shepherd, that only Jesus can give because He wants to be the shepherd. He wants to come into people's lives and He wants to give them life and give it to them abundantly, give it to them, give it to, them to, to the full. He wants to come into people's lives and, and just give them this life that to come in and give us something that, that allows us to live. Well, this shepherd, this, this good shepherd repeats himself again in verse 14. If you want to look at that. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. A sheep pen here. A gate. A shepherd. And the flocks are coming together. And you look at this motley crew of sheep and you think to yourself, man, they all look alike, right? And not being a shepherd, they all look alike to me. I mean, how do you tell them apart? Well, I had to read up a little bit on sheep and it's just, it's, it's, it's really my understanding that sheep have been kind of given a bad rap. I've told, maybe mentioned this before, I mean, I just, uh, it seems like, well, we think that sheep are dumb, that they're dumb animals, that they're just really stupid. I mean, just really, really, really dumb. And they've gotten, we've we have seen that, I guess it all maybe depends on your perspective. I mean, certainly sheep are followers and they do do dumb things, but but I got uh, got to uh, reading about this, uh, and 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 uh, from what I understand, they're really very smart animals. I mean, my understanding is that you can walk up to a sheep pen and you can have a hundred or two hundred sheep in and you can walk up, and a a young boy can, or a young girl can, you know, somebody can play uh, this 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 kid can play a flute, and and you you know play a certain tune or whatever, and twelve fifteen sheep might maybe 20 sheep would maybe follow just follow right out of the pen just by the by that nobody looks none of these sheep look to see if they've got the right tag number nobody compares the barcodes or because the sheep know the shepherd's voice and so the shepherd plays a tune the sheep just follow along because they know the shepherd and the shepherd knows the sheep well maybe the closest that we can come to understanding that is just maybe watching a mom with her her young child their bit, little baby uh... we have um... well they're older now when i first started driving bus we have a a, a set of twins on there um, on, our, on our bus and i still can't tell them apart they're now in fourth grade um, the only way that I can tell them apart, these two twins, is that one of them has a little tiny mole right here. But if they come on the bus with dirty faces, you can't tell that, right? But I, I'm serious, you've got to actually, and so it's hard to just, so you're looking intently as they're walking on the bus and you're trying to see if you can see that mole, because some days it's not as bright. Does that happen? Some days the moles are not as dark. Are they darker in the morning than they are at night? I don't know. Sunshine, is that what it is? But they commonly walk across, them the whole time. Well, now actually, I, um, the one, the uh, one of them. As I don't know if it's the older or the younger, but the one is wearing actually is wearing. Well, they both wear glasses, but the one wears hers more, and she has purple glasses. Well, they used to have different color glasses, but then when they get a glasses changed, and then they get something that's really close, and you can't tell when they walk in front, of it, if it's purple, if it's brown, or if it's red, or whatever it is, and they got two sets of glasses, and one gets broken. And I, so in other words, you know, you know what I'm saying? You can't tell, I can't, except for that one little mole. That's the only sure-proof way, and, I, and that's not even good enough, because if they walk by too quickly, I can't tell which one it is. Um, but you know what? Their mom knows. Their mom knows exactly. Um, and she can actually tell which one it is by just their voice. I was talking to her and she says that. You know, I said, yeah, yeah, she calls and there it is. Um, as soon as one starts talking, she can tell. Well, how can you do that? I've listened to them for four years on the bus. I can't tell by their voice. They all sound the same. So whenever I see one of them up and doing something bad, I just mention both of their names. Unless I know which one's sitting in which seat. Sit down, you guys. Yeah. Sheep and shepherds, I think, are a lot like that. They know which one it is by the sound of their voice. That amazes me. They know each other well enough to follow. Jesus wants to be that kind of shepherd. He wants for us to understand that he wants for us to follow him and to know his voice. Now, this text says that we won't be the only ones, and I think we understand that. It's, uh, there are sheep in other sheep pens, he says. It's, it's, it's his anticipation that there's going to be Gentiles, not just Jews. And quite frankly, my guess is that you and I are going to wake up on Resur- resurrection morning someday, whenever that happens to happen, and we're going to look around and we're going to just be surprised that some of the sheep are there, <laughs> because we didn't think that they were going to be. And frankly, that may be the other way. Some people may be surprised that we're going to be there. But that's all right, because you and I don't have to know the sheep. We only have to know the shepherd. The shepherd knows the sheep, and he'll figure out who's supposed to be there. Say, that's right. right. And the right ones will hear his voice, and they will come. They will come. The sheep will come because they know the voice of the shepherd. Now, the how, Note how the paragraph ends down here in verse number 19. Take a look at that. At these words, the Jews were again divided. That no, shouldn't be any surprise, right? Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why, raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind man? Remember last week? Chapter 9. See, here's the bottom line. Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be my shepherd. He wants you and me to be in His arms. He wants you to be in the flock that's coming along behind Him. He wants to be your shepherd. He doesn't want to just be the good shepherd he wants to be your shepherd and there are some there are some who listen to his voice and they say man this guy he is nuts he's a madman he doesn't know what he's talking about he's raving mad he's a lunatic and others look at him and say but did you see what he did to the blind man you can't be some you can't be something nuts and then heal blind people? And so the writer of John simply invites you and me to take a look at the work of Jesus, to look at what He has done and to decide for yourself is He nuts? Is He crazy? Is He a madman? Or is He a miracle worker come from God who has changed the hearts and the lives of men and women for centuries. And he's healed their blindness and he's changed their, their lives. And you've, and you've looked at him and you've said, man, whatever got into them. And, and the answer to that question is, it's Jesus. That's what happened to them. That's that God changes. That's what he specializes in. He changes lives. He is the he changes people's lives. And Jesus wants to do that in each of our lives. He wants to be your shepherd. And the only question for all of us each and every day is, is that what we want? Is that what you want? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for just uh, for being our shepherd. We thank you for all of the work that you do. In just leading and guiding and protecting and and uh, more than that, just being our Savior and being our Lord. And Father, I pray that, um, that you would help us to obey the promptings of the Spirit as, as uh, he guides us and, and leads us closer and closer to you. I pray for us specifically as a congregation that we would always listen to your voice. Um, there's so many voices that are out there right now that are vying for or that are just seeking to, to be heard in our are um, uh, vying for attention and um, God I pray that we would hear the voice of the shepherd the good shepherd the voice of Jesus Christ in our lives and help us to listen and to follow and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.